So, right. Uh, and, and to me, it's not how, how old they are, it's how they are. Yes. And yeah. that's important because you could have a, you could have a 10 year old cat that's doing really poorly and aging, you know, biologically mm. just aging so fast and, and not well. And you could have a 19 year old cat that's like doing pretty good. <laughs> Sorry for saying Sorry Media presents the Purr Podcast, the best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hello, this is Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, and this is the Purr Podcast together with Dr. Kelly. Hi. Kelly, Hello. Hello, everyone. And we're back. And we're back with the amazing, awesome Dr. Mary Gardner, because we're talking about her book, Nine Lives Are Not Enough, A Practical Guide to Caring for Your Geriatric Cat. And we had already so many topics that we talked about last week. Yes. Um, first, hello, Mary. Hi. Thanks for having me back. It's always great to have you back. And uh, and so we're going to talk about your book. Um, how long have you been working on this book? Uh, I, I think I've been accumulating the contents for, for years. I've been, you know, focused on geriatric pets since 2010. But uh, really sitting down and, and starting my research was it was is uh, 2019 and then all during COVID. So for for three years, actually, this is the anniversary. <laughs> it takes a long time to write a book. I know, and I think three years is amazingly fast. So you know, oh. I like I said in my previous last podcast, I'm trying to rewrite my second edition of my surgery reconstruction book. Oh my god, I think I'm doing I'm at ten years now already, and I just <laughs> can't get it done. So. Uh, so it's, the moral of the story is, I'm never going to start writing a book to the two of you. Right, right, right. That works for me. There are positive things and negative things about writing a book, yes. but uh, this uh, this is a great book. I I love it. Um, I have to say, I read most of it uh, with uh, with a lot of pleasure, um, and I'm so happy that you're here. Great present for uh, for Christmas, uh, New Year's presents, uh, yeah. etc. Under the tree or whatever you celebrate, um, and uh, so I'm happy that you're here, Dr. Mary, to talk a little bit about. Uh, about uh, the the book itself and we're diving this week a little bit into the book so let's start talking about part one getting into the golden years of life stage so um, so you you divided your book in four uh, main chapter or main divisions can you let us know what they are and why you did that yeah so uh so the first one part part one is about just the aging process in general what uh, what it means to be senior versus geriatric, because that's a big kind of soapbox of mine. Right. And, and maybe some of the, you know, some of the things out there, the research that's getting done, you know, we mentioned last week, it's a lot is getting done in the Ds uh, for the D species, but, um, you know, we can hopefully learn from that and that what they have found that we can then, you know, use in our, in our cats and with ourselves too, with our, with our humans. And, um, and just, just understanding that, like why stuff starts to break down. You know, we always say aging is a, a age, <laughs> getting old is not a disease, right? But, but aging does bring dis-ease. Yeah. And, yeah. right. And I think people forget about that. And we may not have a specific disease, but man, listen, I, I'm turning 50 next month and it already hurts Ooh. getting out of, 
<laughs> yeah. I know when I see you at BMX, I need a big 50th birthday hug. So, uh, but stuff hurts, right? <laughs> and I don't have a disease, but it's just starting to break down. I got more wrinkles. You know, my collagen's not as good as it used to be. And all everything in between. I wake up at two and having to go to the bathroom. Yep. <laughs> yep. So I'm like at 9 p.m. I'm like, don't have anything to drink, Mary, because you'll be up. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so that was my the, the first chapter. And uh just to just to set the stage, the second chapter or second part rather is about all of the um, the the major ailments that a, a, a cat is going to go through. So I I decided not to do I, well, for very good reasons. I didn't want to do chapters on all the diseases because this is this is for a the the the, the pet parent is the main audience. Let's say right, mm-hmm. and uh, but I know that whether the cat has diabetes or kidney failure, we're going to need to talk about incontinence. And we're going to need to talk about how to, how to you know, manage that. We're going to maybe have to talk about um, inappetence and, and how to pill them because th- those cats are going to go through that stage eventually. So, or with mobility. I, you know, mm-hmm. I don't, uh, I don't, yeah, that's a huge one. And so many people don't realize their cats have mobility issues, right? But right. I didn't want to just say, well, this is our, although I do explain arthritis, but I didn't want a whole chapter just on arthritis and just on, uh, you know, yeah. spine disease and things like that. I wanted to say, if you've got a cat that's got a mobility issue, here are the tips and tricks around your house to help them and the products I recommend. And I've got, I mean, in this book, I think it's close to 200 pictures of, of house set, people, set, people sent me so many pictures. I felt so bad. I couldn't keep them all in there. So people were willing to share their pictures and videos, which were amazing. And I think it helps to, to inspire families to say, you know what, I can set that, that, you know, my, my house up a little bit differently to help them get to their sunny spot or their favorite spot, that kind yeah. of thing. So, so that second yeah. chapter is really to talk about um, the, 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 the major things that happen. Why are they, why are they all bony and scrappy, right? And they're, and, and dandruffy or greasy and, and, uh, why do they like warm spots now as they get older? Well, because they don't have any, you know, muscle left. <laughs> they're, right. they're basically, you know, fur and a whisker. Um, but I do touch on just a couple of the, the major, the major things that uh, like hyperthyroid and, uh, and you know, and kidney disease. I'm going to, I'm going to touch on the big ones if we're going to yeah. have to. to For sure. on but um, so I think that, you know, that's, a, that's a heavy section, but what I wanted to do also is that a family can, can jump to any section that they needed to mm-hmm. and not feel like they had to read the whole thing. So there may be some repetition of products I recommend or something like that, but it's because they, you know, if they don't, if their cat doesn't have cancer, they don't need to read the cancer section. Right. Um, if their cat's got vision issues, they can just jump right there and, and learn about vision issues yep. and, and the products I recommend. And, I also say I get no kickback on any of the products um, mm-hmm. because I want to make sure that I, you know, I, I recommend what I've either tested or heard works really well. So then the third section um, is about caring for these older guys and, and, you know, how can you just in general set up your house uh, for success, journaling and tracking the cat's progression um, and, uh, and, and just setting goals of care. And, and realistically, you know, helping owners say it's, you know, it's one thing today to have these goals, 
But after six months, when your emotional budget is up, when your right. financial budget is, is strained or when your time budget is, is strained, we may need to reassess these goals of care and no judgment, right? Because I think that's really important for, for nobody sits in the shoes of our owners and we don't know what's all going on in their lives. Um, and then I do talk about, you know, different therapeutics from, from simple to, to the more advanced and, you know, trying to help break the stigma of some things and, um, yeah, good. you know, discuss radiation and stuff like that, because some people want to do it. And some people are scared out of their bejeebies to, to, to try that. Uh, and then I really encourage, and it's not just in this third section about seeing your veterinarian, because as I mentioned last week, it's, uh, it is nearly 60% don't see a veterinarian at their last stage of life. And that's, that's, that breaks my heart. So mm-hmm. I really want to encourage that they need the whole care team, veterinarians, the technicians to help, you know, what, uh, local services. So, you know, f- how to find a really good pet groomer even and, and, and a pet sitter. Um, but in every of the chapters in the sec in the middle, in the second section, I've got checklists on what to ask your veterinarian and things to, or things to look for to bring them then to the veterinarian. Because you guys know owners, owners, will, you'll always hear some owner that says, wow, I didn't know a cat could get diabetes. <laughs> right. Yeah. They just don't know. So, uh, so I really want to encourage them to go see their veterinarian. This isn't the book that's just like, oh, I don't need a vet anymore. This is to complement seeing their veterinarian. Yeah. And then the last section is, is the tough one. It's, it is, I, I love the title of it, Enduring the, un, the Unendurable, where it is preparing to say goodbye, having difficult right. conversations, having um, you know, talking to the, the children of the house. What about the other cats or bees in the house? How are they going to handle the, you know, the, the loss of this cat? Um, picking euthanasia, uh, you know, I discussed natural passing. I think, you know, a lot of us in this, in our, in our industry, we, we just jump straight to euthanasia and you're gonna, you're going to have a family that does not want euthanasia. And how can you explain that? And what is, so I, so I try to, to, to talk about what to expect I don't right. think everybody understands what natural passing looks like in a kidney failure cat. Right. And it's very difficult to watch. And I want to prepare them and talk to them about hospice and palliative care and, and pain management and things like that. Um, I also talk about euthanasia. And I think a lot of us uh, avoid the E word. We're a very death adverse society. And as veterinarians, we should be the ones that talk about euthanasia first. And it's not, it is not about giving up or anything. It's just preparing the owner and mm-hmm. discussing what you do. And I, what's, what's really important to me is, is, is to not come off judgmental too about what I would do versus a, a, a practitioner in, in general practice, because mm-hmm. I do in-home euthanasia. And so what I do may be a little bit different. And just because, you know, I, I do believe every cat should be sedated. So that is a, that is a soapbox I'll stand on still. <laughs> but, you know, uh, the different, you know, the different protocols or the different ways that we may do it. No, no judgment if I want to do an, an, uh, a, a butterfly catheter versus an indwelling catheter. And I think some of us could get in arguments over that. And so I, I kind of actually break it down and talk about euthanasia and what to expect. Uh, and then also about, you know, cremation and burial options. And, and the fun one was all the keepsakes. Right. So all the keepsakes that we could, that we could have for our cats, whether it's, you know, a bracelet made out of fur to even cloning. And I've been asked about that before and dehydration. It's kind of crazy. All of the options out there in a beautiful way, like no judgment, but right. uh, 
right, right. But did they clone a cat already? I they, thought yeah, that... so cloning, cloning is a thing. And I've taken samples for both uh, cats and the D word. And um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's expensive. So, and, and there's also an ethical debate about cloning, right? Like, right. you know, there, there's a big deal about this. And for me, I will take the sample because it's about $1,200 for them to, to, to create the sample and then store it every year. And then it's like forty or $50,000 to actually clone. But what I do is I think it just gives somebody a little bit of something to hold on to while they go through their grief. Right. And they usually never end up doing it. But I think it's just, it's a bridge to help them with their grief. And I talk a lot about grief in here as well and anticipatory grief and things like that. So I know I, I said a lot there, but it's, it's a pretty, <laughs> it's a pretty big book. I, I love it. And especially, you know, that I'm, I'm scrolling through all the things that you can do to remember your pet. And I, I love that there's so many examples and pictures and things. Yeah. And some things people will like and some pe- things probably people will not like. or will say, what? It's a cat. I don't want to do that. But uh, it's it's it is, Perfect. you know, it is a way to remember your pet. Uh, and uh, it, uh, I'll talk about a cloning thing. I heard about dog cloning i heard about dolly the sheep of course but i've not heard um yet a person that has done a cat cloning um it is uh it it, it the whole cloning thing is of course really kind of funny because you'll never get the same cat back you'll never get them back mm-hmm. and that, and right and i as much as i want my herbie and i want herbie and Bodie and goldie like i want them back like right. oh gosh I also want to open my heart up to a new adventure and to a cat that needs, that needs me. Right. Like yes. I, I would rather donate $40,000 to a shelter and, right. and give them care or adopt 10 of them yeah. and, you know, yeah. and see what, see what new, new personalities that come to life. And, right. but I get it. I understand it. Cause man, I, 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 my heart is still ripped open from a couple of them. I know. I know. That's the tough part. You know, it, um you get so much from them but the end is always really really rough it's really rough and that's why i named the book this right nine lives are not enough because right. even if we get 15 years or 20 years and and i, I used to i i always I, it always bothered me during a euthanasia or, or during the end and someone would say a good age for for whatever species it is right so let's right. say you know, 18 years for a cat and, oh that's really good that's really right. good. no it's not good it's not enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right so so that's why i named the, the d book it's never long enough because it's never right. long enough and this one's right. nine lives are not enough so there's the little sister name there but i i wish they could live as long as a turtle right right <laughs> and and we do get a, often the question how old is my cat and you kind of answer that in your book but not completely i know well you know it's it is difficult to to, to age them and so there is uh, you know, I've been seeing on my Instagram for the for the D species a lot of like uh, get the age of your birthday of your dog is popping up on my on my feed a lot. So clearly right. on their demographic, but uh, with the with you know the the lens can give you some ideas of of them. And but it's like us, you know, you guys didn't think I was fifty, did you? <laughs> no. That's a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. uh, and, right. and to me, it's not how. How old they are, it's how they are. Yes. And yeah. that's important because you could have a you could have a 10-year-old cat that's doing really poorly and aging, you know, biologically mm-hmm. just aging so fast and, and not well. And you could have a 19-year-old cat that's like doing pretty good. 
Right. So we're all shocked, just like us, right? Like, uh, you know, some of us make it to the hundreds and some decline at 75. Right, right. It's depressing. Yeah. yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I know, listen, most times when people talk to me, I, I make them cry in some way. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had, you know, I do reflect that, that in, when they came to me, most of the time it was not, I mean, they were not very happy. So surgical oncologist, you know, it's tumors, it's death, it's, uh, right. you know, yeah. So yeah, you're right. You are not, you and I are not people that people want to see. No, at the end, no, no, no. but there's lots of things we can do. And I, I think it's so important to help them through that la- last stage process mm-hmm. because, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's when they need our help the most. Totally. Yeah. Right. right. And being able to prepare them is so important. And like you said, because they don't go to the veterinarian very often with their cats, they're just trying to get cats back in and having this kind of information available to not only instruct owners about what's going on with their cat, but also, to, again, like you're doing, encouraging them to actually go and make a team and a partnership with their veterinarian so that they can actually work towards the. the yeah. I think some people are scared. Like, what is Dr. Kelly going to tell me? He's old and I have to do blood work and x-rays and all this stuff. But, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, but she's also going to tell you a lot of good stuff. And I think that's what makes me sad, guys. When I go to a home and I'm euthanizing a cat and I'm like, this cat could have gotten so much help. Yeah. Like, that's what makes me sad. I'm not sad because I'm euthanizing. Listen, I cry all day long about when I'm helping families, like, for sure. But but what, what makes me sad that I can't pillow my head at night about is that they are not being helped. And it's not just the cat, it's the families too. And, you know, they want me to perform some miracle at the end. If they're in hospice and we have a few weeks, they're like, well, he's got cognitive dysfunction. What can we do? And I'm like, well, oh my gosh. Yeah. Years before, like nutrition mm-hmm. ain't going to help now. Like I need to knock them out half the time because they're just howling and, it's got, you know, anxiety and things like that. And they're like, it's, now the time for Fortiflora? And like, no. <laughs> time has passed. This, yeah. That time has passed. We just got to get them sleeping through the night, right? Or, right? or trying to locate their litter box and things like that. So I, I, I want them to go to the, to the veterinarian to get help to get the medical care. And this will helpfully, you know, be a good partner with the, with the veterinarian to, for the practical care in the home. Mm-hmm. So I think every veterinarian needs to have this book right in front of the yeah. reception desk. So when sure. people walk in and the only thing that the reception has to do is point at this book whenever they bring in a cat. How about I that? Would, man, that would be awesome. And it is available on Amazon and books a million and things like that. So it's super easy to get. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if this podcast is going out before VMX, Care Credit has uh, the first 100 people. I'm going to do a book signing there. That's exciting. That yeah. is exciting. And at, and at Western too. So they're doing both conferences. So really uh-huh. nice to get their support. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. But um, who doesn't want to have a signed book? Um, by the famous Dr. Mary. Signature is a big thing. I think it's a free book because it's, you know, it's about, you know, you know, just under $40 because it is, I, I, you know, if you guys have the ebook, it may not, you may not appreciate it as much, but there is the, the colors and the pictures and the graphs and the doodles. Like I, I wanted this book to be color. I wanted it to be something night, like when they hold it to really appreciate and, and can sit there 
and read it almost cover to cover and not feel like a textbook. And use it as a reference book, right? Because everything, everything's so nicely organized out, yes. even in each part, like the eyes and the ears and what changes so people can just go, I just need to quick look at this again because I forgot what I read. Or I forgot. Yeah, it's yeah, a good so I, I wanted it to be in bite size so that way they could they can manage it pretty yeah. easily. And, yep. and I hope I, in nibble size, that's exactly it all right yeah. let's uh, let's take another chapter that i was intrigued oh. by i love the 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 titles this one is called scrappy cat senior beauty is deeper uh, you like, <laughs> you like chapter that 11 i i know i <laughs> that was See, a good my, little, one. my little doodles are so cute in there too i'm just so happy with all my little doodles and things because <laughs> I, to me I mean, honestly, the scrappier, the skinnier, the like, uh, the, the stinkier cat, I just love them, right? When they just, when I see a cat all like old, I just run to that cat. I just want to squeeze them. You have to be a little gentle because they're, because they're, uh, they're a little bit, uh, you know, sensitive. But yeah, so in this, in that chapter, I talk about skin and fur changes. Right. And, um, and also, you know, so, so many things happen to, you know, the warts and the bumps and the lumps that people may find on their cats and, and making sure that they don't just think it's, uh, it's just whatever. And, uh, and also, you know, it's good if you see your cat, not as you guys know, not grooming themselves, like that could be a really big sign. Mm-hmm. It could be a sign of, you know, arthritis to oral tumors. Like there's the range is, is huge. And so I, I, I love talking about, you know, when to see your veterinarian. And also I prep them for the tests that they may need to do. So a pet family may go into you with a, with, a, with a cat that looks like a lot of dandruff. And you're like, I need to do blood and urine samples. And they're like, well, why? It's just skin issues. Well, it, it, it could be a lot more than that. So I, I do want to prep the owners for the things that we may be doing to our cats. And, and the caregiver, that section does have my dad in it so speaking of my dad so he he has turned into the biggest cat lover ever oh, and wow. so he's he's in it you know uh, when I graduated I graduated in 2008 and I remember like the Thanksgiving dinner right after graduation he's like hey how's it going and I'm like it's really frustrating because you know owners don't want to spend like $300 for their pet to get blood work or whatever and he's just like people spend $300 on their animals <laughs> and I'm like dad <laughs> yeah and like you know what I do now it's crazy and then what cat I don't know what cat crawled into his little steel heart but one of them did and he lives he lives in Freeport in the Bahamas and so there's a lot of cats out there Mm -hmm. and so 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 one cat just stole his heart and then another one and another one and he ended up uh donating uh to build their cat their cat ward at the Humane Society there so now he's like this cat freak so he had to tell me about, you know, his little rubber glove that he uses to <laughs> brush his cats. So. <laughs> I love it. And like I said, so many people brought, sent me in pictures of their cats. And it's just, it's just great to see people sharing their scrappy looking cats. Right, right, right. How, how could they, did you ask for those pictures or they just did that uh, anyway? So, um, a little bit of both. So, so over time, people have shared pictures with me or right. during a home visit, I've taken pictures and then I've right. asked if I could use them. But I actually put a call out. Um, so I put a call out on my Facebook group. I, I'm, I'm a member of many Facebook groups too. And, right. you know, it, there are some, I know some of us, like we don't like some Facebook groups and I agree. They're like, well, but I'm a member of the kidney failure Facebook group and the, mm-hmm. and the cognitive dysfunction for cats. And the, you know, 
So I, I asked family, I asked people to send me their pictures of me, and they did. And right. it, it was an outpouring a little bit like too much sometimes, yeah. <laughs> right? And you have to make sure yeah. that they're good quality and, and that yeah. they represent what you're trying to do because everybody wants to show off their cat. And so I tell veterinarians when I, I talk about marketing for senior and geriatrics, right. and I'm like, you look at every website and it's all kittens and adults. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. Next time you go through the, the exhibit hall at VMX, it's all kittens and adult cats. There's, there's no senior and geriatric cats. And that's what I think 30% or more needs to be on your website. If 30% or more, you know, it's, it's, it's over 40% is, is, is double digits. So that should be representative of what, because yes. so if I have an old cat and I look at a website, I don't think they can handle my old cat because all they've got is young animals on there. Yes. Sure. Those scrappy ones. You know, and, and to have videos of, of, you know, cats with mobility issues and ways that you can set up their house. So there's so much we could do to, I, I don't think we actually do the best marketing to these guys. And so we don't know, we don't, we all wonder why they're not coming in. Because I'm not going to go to a place that, that doesn't look like they know how to handle what I've got. Yeah. That's such a good point. Yeah. And people don't think about that. I mean, first. I'm happy that you show cats in general because most clinics show the I other know. species. Uh, but it, you're you're completely right. You're looking if if you have an animal that is of that life stage, yeah. you're looking for similar pictures that that fit 100%. that life stage. Very and good. a family, a, a clinic could easily ask their families, right? Who's got something? And there, I mean, <laughs> I I put something on my lack of love page, and it was just hundreds right. coming in, and and so, you know, fam- and then, and then there's, I can't tell you, I probably sold most books, the most books just to the people whose cats are in my book. That's probably where, <laughs> that's probably all my sales are just to them. So, uh, because, because people want like their cat's a star and, right. and they, and I've had I've, some of these, a lot of these cats that are in this book have already passed. And right. I get emails in saying, I hope Hobbs help other people, you know, like yeah. with it. And yeah. so it's yeah. just. I think they they love that that altruistic feeling of they, that they're helping another. Great work once again, almost at the end. It goes so fast. Uh, Dr. Kelly, last question for you. Well, I want to just comment and ask you like about the you have that chapter on thermal regulation, and I was just kind of comment on how lovely it is that you talk about the cat's thermal neutral zone because so many people aren't really realizing that it's thirty to thirty eight degrees Celsius. And even our younger cats prefer warmth, but our old guys really liked, I've had some really old cats just like right in the fire. I think sometimes they're going to walk right into the fireplace. So I always set them up a bed close by, make sure they're not going to burst into flames. But uh, yeah, I just. Thank you. I, you know, I always, I always refer to back to my grandmother who was geriatric and I live in South Florida where it's like 98 degrees now in November, right? And, or December. And she would always have to have her sweater with her because she mm-hmm. didn't have any muscle mass. She was cold. The thermoregulation's all out of whack. Yep. And yep. so like, that's what happens to our cats. And it's so vital important during surgery or post-surgery right. to keep yeah. them warm. And that, mm-hmm. I think, I mean, you know, Dr. Sheila Robertson, she's, right. she'll tell you the statistic, but I think it's something scary where the majority of death happens after the surgery. And a lot has to do with not keeping them warm. The temperatures. And, yeah. and these, and, the, and so she talks a lot on senior, uh, senior anesthetics and, and it's the temperature and the thermal regulation. So, you know, because I'm friends with her, like she's drilled it into my head that <laughs> cats, 
Yeah. yeah. And and I learned yeah. I learned that chickens have a high temperature. Yes, that too. So <laughs> they are hot. <clears throat> Chicken are hot. Yes, yeah, I've a couple of tidbits and fun facts out there to make it fun. <laughs> Chicken facts. This, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Mary. We're once again Thank talking you. about Nine Lives Are Not Enough, a new book of uh, Dr. Mary Gardner, Practical Guides to Caring. I always want to say for caring, to I caring too. for your geriatric cat. And I know I said it right. Yes, I did it. I know. The grammar is weird, but it has been double checked, and that is how you say it. Excellent, excellent. Yes, you know, for me as a Dutch English speaker, uh, um, you know, I never know those differences. But uh, um, but Daniel is still trying to improve my English. Hey, listen, we're still trying to say your last name half the time, so <laughs> it's all right. Joe Kerb Kansen. <laughs> That's it. Perfect. Here we go. So, thank you, Doctor Mary, for two wonderful, wonderful podcasts. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Dr. Kelly, for being on with us. Yola, thank you, Mary. It's been just yeah, a pleasure. No, thank you, Kelly and Yola. And what I want to say to our complete audience, uh, I hope you have a wonderful ending of this year yeah. uh, and happy new year already. If we don't talk to you before that, um, mm-hmm. this has been a, you know, great episode. Uh, I love your book. Personally, yeah. I think it is, uh, it is, yeah. it is fantastic. I've learned so many things. Next to the hot chickens, I've learned lots of other stuff. So thank you so I much. Hope so. Fantastic. <laughs> and really? and thank you for doing all the work because there's so much research behind it. Uh, yeah. I I would, you know, urge everybody, all the veneer healthcare team members that are listening to poor podcast to uh, read Nine Lives Are Not Enough because it is wonderful. So thank you, Dr. Mary. Thank you. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs. And you can follow her on social media with the handle at Cat Pet Susan. Dr. Yola Kirpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVE. TSX. This episode is made possible by the generous sponsorship of the Take the Pledge Against Struvites in Pets Facebook page. Did you know there are three easy steps to treat bladder stones in cats with lower urinary tract signs? Step one is to take a radiograph, and if there is a stone present in the bladder, step two is to use the Minnesota Urolith app for iPhone and Android to determine the most likely type of stone. Step three is to treat the cat for at least two to three weeks with an appropriate diet and see if the stone gets smaller. If so, keep feeding that diet until the stone is completely gone on follow-up radiographs. If not, check compliance with the owner and look for alternative treatment options. 
Join veterinarians worldwide to take the pledge not to remove struvite stones by surgery anymore. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page at per podcast.